We've been telling you about this for years now. The only place to watch live golf on Thursday and Friday mornings is on PGA Tour Live. It is an absolute steal. $39.99 annually or $5.99 a month. PGATourLive.com is where you go to subscribe. Do it now. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah! Yeah! I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! Expect anything different? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. Back with another travel episode. Hope you guys aren't too sick of these yet. Uh, this episode, we're going to talk about Western Scotland, the Ayrshire area. I finally learned how to say Ayrshire. Uh, joined for the second time on the pod. Uh, social media guru from Callaway Golf along on the trip, Mr. Chad Coleman. Wow, Solly. It's been forever since you've had me on the podcast. Uh, you had to take me to Scotland and play, play I had to. Golf I had to, to literally I had to literally caddy for a web.com win to get on the first time. And now I have to take you along on a Scotland golf trip to, and to get on the second time. And, and sponsor a lot. So, so you, it was a big effort to get you back. Is this a sympathy pod? This is a sympathy. I kind of felt bad. Okay. Uh, we're recording this in the Open Championship. Not sure when this is going to actually get get posted. Probably next week. Um, but we wanted to debrief from the trip to Western Scotland. I know a lot of people were asking for. I uh, wanted to hear about the experience of playing in a pro am, uh, and uh, did a lot of documenting of the first two weeks I spent in Scotland this summer. Uh, spoiler alert: I played a lot of golf. Uh, I think have people you? Are, people are kind of getting sick have of it. You? Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to tone it down as much as I can, but. Uh, a lot of epic, a lot of Chrome Soft X's have been lost all over all over the UK. This I summer. will say, my over the past spending the past week with you, my favorite thing in life is now the look on your face when you're trying to figure out how you can possibly squeeze another round in at any point in your life ever. If there's four free hours or three free hours at, at our gap at any point in any day. You trying to figure out how you can logistically make that work is is just <laughs> absolutely outstanding, and you're actually really good at it. It's, so. We we out of this trip, we played four rounds of amazing golf, and then squeezed three extra rounds in, like just kind of just squeezed them into the peripheral time frame. There's so much light in this country, in this in this area, in England and Scotland, this time of year that you have so much time to take advantage of it, and no one ever plays in the evening here, so. Grab the sticks and keep going. Um, I would say that the evening was my favorite time to play, like yeah. without question. Yeah. You come up on the back nine and the, the you have the long shadows and the weather's well. If the weather's nice, yeah. it's it's incredible. It's the best time of the day to play. I think without a doubt. Um, but you may have heard us promoting in the past. We did a giveaway with Scotland. It's called the Epic Scotland giveaway. Sorry, we giveaway with Callaway and Visit Scotland uh, called Epic Scotland, in which. Uh, we two completely random or one completely ch- uh, random chosen winner got an all expenses trip paid to Scotland, a full set of Callaway clubs, whatever you wanted, whatever you wanted, um, and then a, a spot in the Scottish Open Pro Am, and then un- at Dundonald Links, and then three additional rounds at Prestwick, Royal Troon, and Turnberry. Um, not a bad lineup. Not a bad. Anything else I missed in that? No, it was a pretty good deal. Yeah, I mean that's it's like the that's, best it was giveaway. Literally, it literally was the best giveaway you could possibly ask for. I mean, you're playing in the in the pro am with so yeah, it's with Henrik Stenson of, of the Scottish Open with the defending Open champion, which they actually didn't know until that day. But we can get into that later. But we yeah, I mean it literally was an epic trip. It honest was, to God. And so whenever I tell people what the prize is, I'm like, yeah, you get the, the winner gets like a set of Callaway clubs. I'm like, wow, that's nice. Right. Plus an all-expenses trip paid. Right. Wow. Spot in the Pro-Am. What? Like, people, the, the shock. So I think with the people who visit Scotland, they were expecting about, ten, hoping for 10,000 entries into the contest. We got almost 50,000 entries. The, yeah, it, was, it blew it out of the water. The demand for this thing was uh, crazy. And I know it was only available to U.S. and Canada listeners. Uh, it was a promotion for tourism from outside of Scotland. So... Uh, UK and Scotland and England. So UK listeners were not able to apply, or anywhere else were not able to apply. Uh, hope that's understandable. It was not in the beginning understandable, but uh, right. we have to give a huge shout out to the folks at Visit Scotland that came to you with the idea. I think back at the PGA yeah, the show, PGA show, yeah, in January. Uh, David Connor, Yvonne Moffat. Hope I'm saying that right. Katie Matheson. Um, they were they were instrumental in all the planning and doing this, as well as Jamie Darling. 
who is the guy to know when it comes to golf in the in the Western Scotland he area. Legit is the guy to know. The guy to know. Uh, it's funny. I was asking Rue McDonald for any. Like, we're trying to squeeze the next round. What should, what should we do? And he got in touch with Jamie, who got back in touch with us. Yeah. We had already been talking. Jamie's to Jamie's the guy that yeah. everyone goes exactly. to. Exactly. He, he's he. Everything runs through Jamie. In Scotland <laughs> golf. Like every. Like he's. It's crazy, but I I think the the cool thing was that I was kind of going into it also with a with an open mind because I I hadn't played much Scotland golf if any the only other two rounds in Scotland I'd ever played were with you two years ago at the Open at St Andrews at the Castle Course so I hadn't really gotten the True Links experience and I can't wait to talk about it because it was beyond unbelievable like do you see what I've been talking about yeah. now I see, see why you play thirty six every day now. <laughs> I mean, I feel like every time I do one of these, I just rave about all the courses, but because it really have they really are awesome. Like, yeah, I do enough research on them, to, and I, I've legitimately not been disappointed. I don't think with the course on this whole. Room, well, I think but. what makes what makes a, the what makes links courses and courses over here so much more. Like, I, I feel like what makes you're you're able to like them so much more, like a a a broad variety of them, is because in America they don't like if if it's not pristine and if it's not in the best shape you've ever seen, you don't consider it an elite course. Right. Where over here, none of them are pristine. None of them are in tip-top necessarily shape when you when you talk about conditioning and um, that kind of thing because that's not how Lynx courses are. So um, you don't have that expecta- expectation. So you're just going basically off of how fun was it to play the golf course and did you truly appreciate the, you know, the land it was built on and, and the views and that kind of thing. So I think that you know that lends itself to a lot more courses over here being you know it, it's easy to say that there's a lot more courses that are just amazing I mean, you're talking to me tonight you're like man i feel like i keep saying that every course is amazing because they all are yeah. in their own right i will say it's a big effort to the courses we got to play to get those courses in that good of shape because yeah. you know we did i have played just, just a little not like five holes over at a nine hole course the other night and you just quick quickly see the difference in a, a well-maintained links course versus right. a run down one um, but yeah, you can't expect a perfect lie every time. You just can't expect the the ball to bounce a certain way. And yeah, it's just kind of rough around the edges, and that's that's the rub of the green. That's the way it is, and that's what makes the challenge so fun. But uh, I want to talk a bit about our contest winners. Joe Bannister was our winner. Joe Bannister. Joe Bannister from Biloxi, Mississippi. Uh, I can't think of someone. So Joe, uh, Joe brought his wife Kathy. Uh, Joe had not been outside of the United States. Uh, since Vietnam, and right. he did not need a passport to go to Vietnam the first. Uh, where he, it wasn't on holiday. Where he received two Purple Hearts. Correct. So a two-time Purple Heart winner, also a great grandfather. He's turning seventy this year, but a keen, avid golfer. He and his wife play four or five times a week in Biloxi, Mississippi, and never would have ever gone on this trip. His wife Kathy had never been outside of North America. Uh, they would have never done this. So to have to have two winners that were just so incredibly excited for this experience that would yeah. have otherwise never seen it. Um, we you could get anyone to win these win these things really. So I, I mean, you almost can't ask for better winners. How it no. turned out, yeah, because we were we were a little bit concerned that you know being a blind draw, being a random draw, we would get someone who who wouldn't truly appreciate what was being offered. And um, luckily, Joe and Kathy were the complete opposite. They were very they. This you know this kind of trip meant everything to them, and they you could tell how truly appreciative they were that that we were able to offer this to them, and it's something that they would have never done in their entire lives. And they have a long history of golf together, and golf runs in their family, and uh, they're true truly passionate about the game. And so it was pretty awesome that we could we could luck out with such good winners. We need to get Joe gaming the crumps off, though. I know, I know, <laughs> we will eventually. Um, so the first day of the trip. We first thing Chad arranged for us. We toured the Callaway truck where we surprised them with the news. We didn't spoil the news at all on who they'd be playing with at the pro am and the the leading Callaway player in the field, without a doubt, the defending Open champion Hendrick Stenson was our partner. I just got to go along for the ride. First of all, this I got the I was the biggest winner on this trip. Let's be honest. But our our pro am partner was Hendrick Stenson, um, and we told them that in the Callaway equipment truck, and the look on their face was just light up yeah i mean if you if you follow callaway on instagram you see i kind of documented the day on our story and joe joe totally tried to play it cool i don't know if you noticed but when we said henrik stinson kathy was very emotional joe was stoic like like he was just trying to to really like you know but you could tell they're both incredibly excited and i mean being told that news two hours before you go tee off with him is 
you know, something else to so just another thing to add to this right. incredible experience. Right. We hope to do this every year and I hope I can keep getting invited back, but, uh, playing with Henrik in the pro. So first of all, we got is the Scottish open was at Dundonald links this year. We had a 1 PM tea time. Um, I was a, I had a bit of nerves play. I'd never played in a pro before. I never really played in front of people. Well, we walked the course first. We did. <laughs> so we made the mistake, you know, like you ever have like a big round of golf and you get there super early and it, <laughs> Never works out well. Like you hit way too many range balls. I had a grind session yeah, on the range, did. just kind of soaking soaking up that experience of hitting balls next to G Mac and just kind of. I mean, you were hitting three irons for like twenty minutes. I, I did hit a lot yeah. of punch punch three irons out there, um, and uh, I mean, we just, it was such an amazing weather day, and I don't know. I was just kind of nervous leading up to that opening tee shot, and. Yeah. Um, I can honestly say after the opening tee shot, I don't think I was nervous once the rest of the day. You, I kind of stopped noticing the crowd even. Um, it wasn't a huge crowd, but like the 11th hole, our second hole, there was a huge crowd around the green and it didn't yeah, didn't the, have too much of an effect on me. But uh, uh, <laughs> The stadium seating around there on yeah, the second hole. Yeah. You got to tell that story. Well, I would just say, I want to point out a couple of my favorite okay. Solly moments. So we started off, first hole is a little bit of a tough, or we, it was the 10th hole. Um, our first hole, and it was a little bit of a tough driving hole, especially from um, the tees one up where you were playing. Where I, I actually, wanted to play the tips. I it think you like... should have asked Henrik if you could play the tips with him, but um, it was uh, tough. Uh, your, your caddy, I think, told you not to hit driver, but again, we walked the course earlier. <laughs> we, scouted we scouted it. it. We we I'm recognized your landing zone. We know where you needed to hit it. Um, you pulled driver, obviously. Uh, and I've never seen an earlier tee grab after you hit that that golf ball, and it was on such an aggressive line. I mean, I it was a little bit of a blind tee shot, and you hit it a little left, not a little left. I mean, it was it was on the intended line, but it was on a line where you had to carry it as far as you've ever carried it before to make the fairway. And your your caddy thought it was gone. He's like, yeah, it's gone. he thought it's it was too far gone. Left. I was like, no, it's good, man. <laughs> You were you were already talking to him before the ball had even landed that it was that it was good. It was fun. Uh, we went up there and it was it was in the left side of the fairway. Um, I think you made a nice little par little par there. You started out with a couple nice pars. On yeah. the second hole though was Bannister moment. Um, no pun intended, Joe Bannister. But uh, the par three, I would probably what consider that their signature hole. Probably it's the biggest hole from a fan standpoint. Yeah, they there's, set up two there's two grandstands. Two grand two huge grandstands. Uh, we're in Stinson's group, so there's a, a you know big following, and uh, and Solly gets up and hits a, a wedge. What was it? Fifty, a little fifty-two up 52 there. So flighted yeah. fifty-two up into the wind. He flighted a fifty-two into the wind, uh, and he got when it landed next to the hole. It must have landed. It must have hit first, probably within five feet, because you got one of those oh reactions from the crowds, <laughs> like the immediate whoa. Yeah. Uh, which was which was went straight to your head because you immediately did the uh, the divot tap and uh, and the wave to the crowd when you heard that whoa and you're walking off the tee box. Meanwhile, I'm still looking at your golf ball, which has now spun back to the front of the green and is almost about to come off the front of the green. <laughs> All right, it was like it was like 20 feet away. Okay, right. well, it wasn't as good. It wasn't as tight as you care. thought it was. I got my moment. I got to wave at the crowd yeah. and divot tap, and they gave it. They gave a pretty good applause even for it because I'm not even sure they realized it was spinning back. But well, can I just say that Stinson hit it way closer than you left-handed? That was a fact. Yeah. That's actually a fact. Um, so yeah, we play the, like a scramble, shamble format, really, um, where you can play the best drive and you play your own ball in from there. But the pro always had to play his ball. Then they did a, a left-handed challenge, and Hendrick got up and hit it to less than three feet. Yeah, I think it was insane. It's incredible. Uh, I've never seen anything like that. Um, playing with Hendrick Stinson, I couldn't have asked for a better guy to be paired with. And I, I everyone had always told me. Uh, you know, I, I was leading up into it. I was kind of suspicious that it might be Henrik, and he'd be like, "Oh, he he's the best pro am partner ever." Made you feel so relaxed. I mean, within two holes, it just felt everything felt way way more normal than I thought it would have. It's out there like you're playing with a buddy. I really enjoyed picking his brain on golf course architecture, and you know, just what does he see on this shot, and and just seeing how the guy really thinks, and listening as close as I can to he and his caddy's conversation because they're still figuring out the course. He hadn't played yeah. it before this week. Um, and it was just the whole process was really fascinating. I mean, even he would weigh in on our shots. Like I was getting ready to hit like a four iron from two fifteen, and uh, he just I, he like I had the club out of the hole, and he kind of pulled me off of it. He's like, oh, "That's too much." Like he was like in, into yeah. it, was paying attention. He was, he was what, invested. Yeah, yeah, he was paying attention to what's going on, and he was invested in your game. Yeah, and then uh, so then I, I kind of hit like a thin 
thin shot on that one that went over the green actually and I was just joking with him that he missed club me and he's just he's like, well I didn't plan on you hitting a skanky low fade <laughs> there like he's, he was all over it he and, literally has the best like most like witty like immediate comebacks you gotta tell the true the true one because I won't be able to do it justice oh my gosh that was yeah that was I got roasted you got absolutely roasted like I've never I've never seen you that uncomfortable in, in your life <laughs> we're you guys were I think talking about courses in the area maybe you're talking about what's cor- which courses we were going to play um for the epic scotland sweepstakes and i kind of just was overhearing and um i hear stinson ask you um i think you said uh i think you said royal troon and he said royal troon where's that at and without thinking twice you you turned the other way and pointed your finger and actually i think it was actually the complete wrong direction but and you you started to say so it's like a couple miles that way, and all of a sudden you just stop dead in your tracks, and you close your eyes because you knew you'd just been you just, just been had, had. and you look back and Stinson's just cracking up, and you're like, he, oh, you know where Royal Train is, don't you? The grin on his face was like he was he didn't think I'd actually fall for. It. I think what he said was, "Is Troon around here?" And I was like, "Yeah, it's just like a couple miles that way." Yeah. Pointed the wrong direction, and then realized he was absolutely he got me really good. Um, but yeah, we that had was, good. We had a really was, good time. I forgot about that. That was great. Talking about, uh, you know, just talked about Europe and traveling Europe and and life in general and everything. And um, he was so good with all the fans. He was great with Joe and Kathy. I mean, what an incredible! Just you know, I just remember watching he and Joe walk up that fairway. And how could Joe have even I mean, pictured that two months ago? He's walking down the fairway. Or how could he have pictured even four hours before that? Because yeah. again, they didn't know. And I was a little worried that Joe and Kathy would like legit freak out and like have trouble playing golf with right. with him because um but they it, stinson is just he's awesome he, he so made him well. he made him feel totally at home and joking around with them and that made him feel comfortable and joe banister got there and just piped his first oh, ride i mean, smoked it the guy is he's a great years they're, they're old great get grandparents they, Did I say yeah, that already like they're, they're, Great, legitimately no, great as grandparents. in great grandparents, not Correct. not their great grandparents, right. but they are actually great grandparents. They have children, grandchildren, and great grandchildren right. is what I mean. But um, and uh, what was I going to say? Joe Bannister's tee ball, tee ball, great first tee ball on every every golf course. Um, oh on the sixth hole, which was our fifteenth hole, um, the caddies did a little challenge. And so the caddies got up and got up to hit a shot on the par three. And Hendrick's caddy, Gareth, who was also an incredibly nice guy and again like invested in the pro am. Gareth uh, is the best. Yeah. He gets up and apparently he is a professional, like a PGA professional or something. Oh, I didn't like know that. that. He gets up and uh Kathy's caddy had started walking already, so he's forward and to the right and not far away. It's kind of a weird narrow little gap. Gareth hits the cleanest shank I've ever seen. <laughs> Like, it had speed on it. It had velocity on it and had to have missed Kathy's caddy by less than less than a foot. I mean, it buzzed the tower, and it was like, shank, into the bush. Like, it would happen so fast. If it would have hit him in the head, it might have killed him. It, like, it made my heart jump into my throat. It was, it was so scary. But I had to give a shout-out to Gareth for the, perhaps the most epic shank that I've ever seen. Just a solid contact shank. That's what was most impressive about it. Yeah, I feel like I, feel like I wasn't there. I went, I went back to the media center to um, upload some photos. But I, when I came back to meet you guys, like it had just happened. And Stinson's agent, Chad, was like, that was the first thing he told me when I walked up was, dude, you almost just met, witnessed, you almost just missed a, a murder. It just happened. It almost happened here. Like this was so like the reaction from everyone was so so much the same and it was very much a panic like yeah. that was almost very frighteningly bad it was. that it must have been the caddy was totally cool like <laughs> i think was, i forget his name but he was just uh he's like yeah i'm fine no worries um done donald links um it, it's not it would not be my favorite course on the on the on the trip i would say um and i think i've maybe been influenced a bit just talking through shots with henrik and some of the criticisms were just that there wasn't a ton of places to land land shots. It doesn't play like a true links course. The greens are really funky, and some pins are really challenging to get to, not in the best design way. Um, from tee to green, I mean, it was it was a really fun course. It had a nice look to it, and again, it helped. We had a had a really nice day. There's some really good fairway bunkers that made you think about things a lot, which is one of my favorite things about links courses. Oh, but every fairway bunker is so well placed. Yeah, but I mean, it it just wasn't. 
it's funny because we'll, we you could see Western Gales from Dundonald at one point, and we'll get to Gales, but uh, it. It, it was kind of like peering at it, like, oh man, that looks kind of like a fun golf course. So, yeah, uh, don't want to be too critical of Donald, but it just was is not my favorite. Again, I'm a bit spoiled because the rest of the trip was just absolutely fantastic. Yep, um, I think that's pretty much it from the pro am. Unless there's any, not too many wayward drive points. There weren't as many marshals out there as I thought there would be, <laughs> so I didn't get to pull up too many wayward drives and. Uh, I mean, I hit. I started losing some balls. I think I made four birdies. Um, yeah, I think you. Got, I think you guys played decent as a yeah. team. Um, but then, like, I don't know. There'd be a ball in the fairway, and I'd be hitting a driver on a three hundred and eighty yard hole that I'd know. Just because they're just because like, yeah, it wasn't a three iron at a pro am. But I love um, seeing Kathy from the ladies' tees. She outdrove Stenson one time. Yes, she did. We played she, her ball, and it was it was, it was thrilling. incredible. She was so happy. I did have to get uh, Stenson back on one because I did outdrive him. Again, I'm playing for further up, but I, I might have got him. Might have actually got him in real life. And uh, I pointed out that where the fitness center was located to him, and he actually he he was he was, he blushed a little bit. I think I got I, yeah. I didn't quite get even on him, but uh, no, that was just what the vibe was like all day. It felt super relaxing, and we could kind of talk about anything and feel really comfortable about about the whole day. So can't say enough nice things about Henrik and super appreciative of uh, of his effort there. After that, um, so before that, actually, uh, we snuck in again in this. What you mentioned did a little sneak round in it. The uh, King Robert the Bruce course, the new yes. course at the at the Turnberry Resort, uh, unbelievable. It was again, such a great another night. another example of Solly figuring out how it is mathematically possible to fit in a round on a day. Because I got in that I got in that day, and I I went to my hotel room. I think I took a nap because I was like I was pretty tired from jet lag and. You 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 called me and woke me up. You're like, hey, we can you be ready in five minutes? And we would have enough time to go to this course and play 18 holes. I'm like, I guess. I mean, I'm I'm here. Uh, we might as well. It was like seven o'clock or something. And we tee off at five thirty. Okay. And uh, it seemed like seven o'clock. What was your impression? So we is the most perfect night you could draw up. We were out there in shorts and short sleeves. Uh, what was your impression of King Robert the Bruce? It, it's a new course it was... just opened a couple weeks ago with very little fanfare. I had no expectations. I had no idea if it was a nine-hole course. I didn't know anything about it and showed up. And... I thought it was phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, I had that was my first, uh, you know, seeing a, a Lynx course that week. Um, and so, I yeah, I thought it was great. I mean, I, I feel like it should be getting some more notoriety, right? Don't you think? It's like 100 pounds, I think, to play, which... Is really cheap, especially compared to the Ailsa yeah. course. Um, but I, I walked away from it saying, even if the Ailsa course is not there, even if you can't play the Ailsa course, it is a million percent worth making the trip down to play Robert the Bruce. Because the Absolutely. views on some of the, like, 8, 9, and 10 kind of go over to the side of the property with the Ailsa course is on. And you are playing a unreal par 5 that goes straight at the lighthouse, the famed lighthouse at Turnberry. Yep. It is the backdrop for your shots. Then you turn to the ninth hole... And it's kind of like an inverted version of the eighth hole at Pebble Beach where you tee off, uh, kind of an iron off the tee, and then you have a shot over a chasm to a green right against the sea. And it's stunning, and it's a great hole. It's a great challenge. That kind of the weird fairway that kind of goes left to right, and then your, your next shot goes right to left. Um, and then a, and a great par three tenth. And that, that whole pro- that stretch of the property in that sun was some of the most beautiful golf holes I've ever seen. Uh, and you can see the Ailsa course too, which has a lot more holes along the sea. And you kind of look like, still kind of wish I was on the Ailsa course. But yeah. Robert Bruce, really, really fun holes. Uh, I was, I was blown away, especially considering there were no expectations. Low, low key, one of the funnest rounds. Yeah, yeah, super fun. There's just two of us out there, just strolling through the, the sunshine. Per- perfect weather. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, so then, so then the next day was the pro am, and then we followed that up with a day at Royal Troon, which was, I think, your. Kind of your first real true Lynx experience. Robert Definitely the Bruce, was. Robert the Bruce is not as raw Lynx. Castle Course of St. Andrews is And not I would raw. say the most Lynxy course we played. Definitely. Uh, yeah, I thought there's, you know, so much hype and anticipation for, for Royal Troon. And, you know, with Henrik winning the Open there last year, obviously I worked for Callaway, so we did, you know, a ton of content around, around that win and around the course. And I had really just been looking forward to to seeing it and, and to, you know, looking back and remembering those holes that Phil and Stinson had that epic battle last year. And, um, you know, I think the one takeaway uh, that we both came from it, and actually it only took us about two holes in to where we said, 
how in the hell did they shoot whatever 19 17 and 20 under or whatever it ended up being that that it blows my mind i mean it's a, it's such a fun and challenging course but you you have to hit your you have to hit such great tee shots there to put yourself in position and and if you're not if you're not hitting good good shots off the tee you're in that fescue that is probably the thickest fescue we played um and it's it's just so tough it is incredibly tough and it makes you appreciate more how how good the best players in the world are oh yeah i mean it's it's pretty flat terrain overall, so there's it's not like a stunning visual course. There's several like right, the first tee right. shot's beautiful right along the sea there, um, and there's 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 a lot of great design elements to it. Some really well placed bunkers and some really fun holes with the wind where, you know, we're hit, playing a par threes, hitting four irons, aiming out well outside of the green, bringing them in, and then using the slope of the green to bring it around and, um, and just uh, the postage stamp. I mean, I kind of tend to roll my eyes at first holes that have nicknames and holes that just get overhyped might be the most fun hole we played on the trip yes I, I, it's it's amazing the way it's i didn't realize it, it, the green sat as elevated as it does the coffin bunker to the left is just so incredibly penal the hill behind it to the left is also penal which one of member of our team learned and it's a really short shot it's like a little punch nine iron i think we hit i missed 15 feet right of the you pin. got you got Posted stamp. Yeah, I did. I got stamped. You got stamped. I got put in the mail. So hard. And, you got uh, put in the mail. You put. I landed 15 feet right of the pin. Signed, sealed, delivered. <laughs> I mean, uh, it was it, the postman did not deliver on that <laughs> Thursday, but it, it it took the slope and rolled off into a, a bunker well below the green, and it, it felt fair though. It was like this is just a little punch shot. Like you should yeah. you should be able to hit this on the green. I missed 15 feet right. And the ball was gone, but it was. It, I didn't expect the hole to be that much fun. I and that it was scared great. me. And you told me keep it left because I was going after you. And what do I do? I I pull hook it on top of the huge, the huge mound on the left. The worst possible place. And the only shot you had. Impossible shot. I mean, you might as well. You might as well just just I don't know. Hit it across the green and like I don't know. There, it was literally an impossible shot. So you banked it off. Andrew's uh, ball. Andrew and Hewan are two Callaway reps that we were yeah, playing with. Also Andrew and Hewan, shout out to those guys. They were that awesome uh, Callaway Good reps matches. from the area, um, and they came out to join us for, for some of the rounds and to, to, to host. Pay, to help pay Kathy. some of our tabs because we to took 40 pounds off of them. Yep, unfortunately for them. Um, but, yeah, I had to uh, not so intentionally bank it off of Andrew's, Andrew's ball um, to get it to stop. Um, so. But, it was, Andrew actually hit a really good shot there. Yeah. He kept it left of the pin, which was crazy. Remarkable. But he didn't make the birdie putt, so sorry, Andrew. <laughs> um, we spent a lot of time looking for balls out there, but uh, it is, it's so much fun. And, and I, I don't know. I wouldn't say necessarily playing the championship courses are your most fun rounds. It is a different kind of fun to play such a challenging course in, the, in pretty tough conditions. Yes. Uh, the way that those guys do, and to get the appreciation that we walked off that course with, like, Henrik shot 63 on that course, and Phil shot 62 and a half. Like, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it doesn't sense. make... Oh, my God. It really does not. And, like, the, I think uh, Jake Nichols has said that Henrik's performance was the second best performance, major performance of all time, and Phil's was the fifth best of all time, and Phil didn't win. Like, just to see that where it happened. Troon is, Troon is a, a cool little town, too. That's pretty much all the players is, were yeah. saying. Uh, Thursday night... So I don't do a good enough job on these travel pods, like really recommending good 19th holes. That's going to change with this episode because we found several amazing 19th hole places. Uh, our guy, Kenny Blair, runs the Buzzwork Restaurant Network. Uh, okay, can we talk about how Kenny has a monopoly of the best restaurants in Troon? <laughs> I mean, it is unbelievable. The, the restaurant we went to the first night was called Lido in Troon, and we went there just because... We TripAdvisor, and you said, hey, this place called Lido is the number one place in We Trim. walked into a bar, and they're yeah. like, uh, we thought they served food. They didn't. They're like, give a recommendation for food. They're like, go to Lido. It's right yeah. around the corner. So yeah. we went there. It was great. Um, we had had a dinner planned the next night already. This dinner had already been planned um, with um, – we, we didn't know it at the time, but – um, it at, was at Kenny's was, restaurant. Yeah, Scott. it was at Kenny's restaurant. Scott. Jamie Darling said Jamie Darling and Kenny are friends, so they set it up a long time ago with a, a group dinner with the Epic Scotland sweepstakes winners and Joe and Kathy and Visit Scotland group. So we knew we were doing that. We got there and just casually over dinner, Kenny who who had dinner with us was like, Oh yeah, I I also own um Lido. There's one in um Presswick and one in True. And we're like, Oh, that's funny, we ate there last night and then um I was uh, literally in my taxi ride to um, Scott's that night, 
uh, I was just making conversation with my taxi driver and he was like, or he was like, if you're looking to go out one night or go grab drinks or whatever, he's like, Prestwick is the town to go to, and there's a place, um, I forgot what the Elliot's. name was called, Elliot's, and there's a place called Elliot's, and that's the place to go in Prestwick if you want to go out on like a Saturday night. That's like the most, you know, the most happening place. And I was like, all right, thanks, and I that came up in that came up in conversation at dinner, and Kenny, uh, of course, said, oh yeah, that's my place as well. <laughs> And I was like, man, you Kenny literally... runs this town. He runns the town. I mean, he oh. owns... He's doing something right. Kenny, Kenny, I can't thank him enough for his, his hospitality and... So especially at Lido, the, the menus are huge. Like, they, I had the hardest time choosing something to eat, but the thing we both were most blown away with, the affogato. Oh. I've yeah, never heard of this dessert. Maybe this is a real thing, and we're just learning about it. Like, very rich vanilla ice cream with a shot of espresso poured into it. Like, really salt, really strong, bitter espresso. I asked my Italian confidant, AJ Vopel, if he had ever heard of affogato. Because Italians drink a lot of espresso. He drinks a lot of espresso. And he said, absolutely. He said, I basically invented it. Uh, which, in his terms, means, yes, I drink a lot of it. So, apparently it is a thing. Yeah, okay. Well, anyways, if you're ever in this area, and again, I think we're... Kind of, kind of make the case for this area being absolutely incredible. Uh, just to, to be able to stay in one place and play as much as many great courses as there are in the area. <clears throat> There's several good restaurants. Again, that we had a great time at. All the players were at all these places too. So that's yeah. that's how you know it's the most highly recommended places. Uh, we just I highly it. recommend the pepperoni pizza at Lido. <laughs> you I had, had it three straight, three straight, three nights. three straight nights in two different locations. We yeah. went to the one in Presswick yeah. too. Uh, we saw Rory there one night. We saw Peter Uline, Padraig Harrington, JP uh, Fitzgerald was there a um, couple nights. I mean, it's just, it's Kessler was there. It's just a, a ton of people hanging out there. So that's the place to be in, in the Troon area. Um, after that, we went to Prestwick the next day. Uh, Prestwick has hosted 24 Open Championships, the last one being in 1925. It was basically the founder of the Open Championship and a huge part of Open Championship history. Uh, the game has outgrown the golf course. It's now no longer capable of hosting a big tournament like that. Uh, and it is it is a very different style course. I've heard it. So many people describe it as quirky. Um, I'll, the first thing I'll just say is just be prepared for quirkiness. Yep. And then you can also be prepared to be pleasantly surprised by it as I was. Because I'd, I kind of thought it was going to be just a gimmick round of golf. But again, I was mentally prepared for it. First hole is crazy, like it's this little jammed in hole like up against the train track that looks like a hole shouldn't even fit there. I'm sure there's so many balls that go on that train track. Um, and I just kind of thought, okay, we're in for a wild one. So the, the third hole is a weird one, and the fifth is a totally blind par three, but uh, it just kind of goes back to the history of the game, and that when they designed a lot of these golf courses, they didn't have bulldozers to build, to move mounds, and they kind of just built golf holes around the property how it was, and a blind shot was not a big deal back then. Now it's kind of an architecturally unsound thing to do to a golf course to make a totally blind hole. But I will say it was sneaky long, though. It was. There, yeah. So that's what surprised me. There was tons of 424, 40 par 4s. Hit a lot of drivers out there. Uh, there's a couple short par 4s coming in, a couple under 300 yards, but the 16th and 18th are drivable holes, but really fun holes. 17th is like a crazy, totally blind uh, approach to the green, which I know a lot of people don't like that hole, but... I think if you saw it again for a second time, you'd understand it. Definitely, but, if you saw it for a second time and you knew yeah. like at, at all where to go, it's yeah. really cool. But it's just so cool. I mean, again, it's, all these courses are built along train lines. That's just how back in the day people got to golf courses. And uh, Jamie Darling again was telling us about this eighty-nine hole challenge you can do, where you basically walk the length of the train and play an outward nine at every course, and you could play like eighty-nine different holes on all these different courses and. Um, it's just so cool the vibe of trains rolling by and and uh, and as you're hitting shots and obviously giving a tour sauce wave to the trains and of whatnot. Course. So, of course. but it's awesome clubhouse to kind of they do a great job preserving the history in there. They have the original Open Championship belt, uh, which was a belt that they said they were going to give out if somebody ever won the Open three times in a row, which young Tom Morris did. And uh, then they retired that. That was belt. the end of the belt. That was the end of the belt. Um, so the history the in that yeah. place was insane. I mean, there was scorecards from the you know the first couple of opens that that were ever held. There was tally marks in there. Yeah, they it was a twelve hole course at the time, and they used tally marks to mark their scores. And they had the scorecard from the first ever hole in one. And it was like four tallies, five yeah. tallies, four tallies, one tally, <laughs> four tallies. So like first ever hole in one and in, in Open Championship history. I mean, 
all kinds of just awesome memorabilia upstairs and that whole entire upstairs was like I could have spent hours in there yeah. it was awesome uh, so again that was <clears throat> Joe and Kathy really enjoyed that round as well um, really a big surprise and a, a great enjoyment and I think again a must play I mean I kind of thought it was just going to be one that was maybe skippable if you're not into that style of play but no I think this is a course you really need to see and then uh, we snuck in so we were up for more than 18 a day and again this was another sneak in round this one we teed off around 645 or 7 heard so much about Western Gales I'm honest I, I yeah. take that back I've heard about it from Rue McDonald who's, who's my go to guy for Scotland Golf Jamie Darling absolutely love this place again that's a guy I trust when it comes to architect, uh, golf course architecture and, and uh, experiences Jamie will not steer you wrong no. nor will Rue he was so excited about us playing over there that Jamie came and met us just to watch us tee yeah. off the first hole which, which we felt like we had we, to hit drivers. We felt like we had to hit drivers, yeah, and it was it, four, it was a four iron all day. Um, it rained on us that night. We thought about quitting after about eight holes. Um, so incredibly glad we did not. The back nine at Western Gales was an absolute blast. We were blown away by the course. Um, unbelievable aesthetics and how the greens sit and how <clears throat> how the bunkers frame the holes. So much. It's a, like such a replayable course. It was yeah. so much fun. It wasn't. It wasn't the greatest test ever. I think the first few holes yeah. were really tough, but once you got out there, it wasn't extremely tough. But a big boy grown-up golf course, ancient history there, really cool clubhouse, incredible locker room that we toured. The locker room? Yeah. Wow. I mean, that was like the oldest locker room. I mean, it just looked like yeah. it was literally like the, I don't know, like the wood. Museum. It was, it yeah, like it looked like a museum. Yeah, exactly. It was like so old school. Like you had the natural like lighting in the in the at the top, and it was, it was awesome. And... Uh, Jamie was telling us that like the members and we walked into the little um, restaurant bar area and like there's a bunch of people in suits sitting around having wine and chatting and Jamie was like yeah he's like the members here you know they they respect the club you know and they they whenever they come in to have drinks or dinner or whatever they they usually put on um, put on a suit you know you don't have to but they usually do as kind of tradition to to the club and I thought that was pretty cool so that's great and maybe it was just again the, the lack of expectations only just knowing that we needed to play this course again I didn't know what the size of the course was I didn't, and it was it was I don't know maybe again the, the low expectations made me almost want to say that it's like one of my favorites of the trip like it may have been my favorite of the trip like it was it was uh, it, we had just had such a great time out there and it was just yeah. a weird misty night it was getting dark and we were the only two people out on the property last two cars in the lot and uh, just wrap up a, a, an amazing 36 hole day out there. Um, I don't know. It was great. I'd love to play there again. That was, again, probably the course that if I had a chance, I'd go up back out again, yeah. except for maybe Turnberry, which was the next day. Tough forecast Saturday for the Elsa course at Turnberry. Well, we had gotten way too lucky yeah, we at had. that point. It, everyone was the whole week was like, Saturday, be prepared for it. So um, it was raining when we started, um, it, just howling wind back into the wind. First couple holes are tough. Chad was having a tough third hole until I was everything changed. Well, I I hit my it, this was a uh, par four, probably what four twenty or four thirty, but it was straight back into the wind, howling howling wind and rain. Uh, I blasted my driver a little right, um, found it only because I was literally like standing right on top of it and I could see a little bit of it. Um, Shout out to the Truvis golf ball for uh, for always uh, showing me where my it's always been easy to find. Um, but I found it; it was unplayable. There's no way there's no way I could even make contact with it. So took it unplayable, took a drop, um, hacked it back out into the fairway, had like 95 yards in and um, for par. And Caddy hands me my uh, 50 55 degree and says, "I think it's a full one of these." And I was on the left side of the fairway, played. Hit it, play a little little fader in there, and one one hop, two hops, rolled right back into the hole for a four. I took off like Jordan Speed that sixth hole at Hazel Team. I like, was Reed and you were Speed. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean that's that's exactly. I took off to yeah. come in. We didn't go for the chest bump. Went for the high five. It was uh, probably the shot of the trip. I, I think. dropped my club. Yeah. like Reed. And yeah, yeah. It was. It was perfect. It was I don't know if I've ever had yeah a, a moment like that you know on the golf course you hold out for four and then you made an eagle like three holes later yeah so we got some, we got still, some downwind I, holes I had, a, I had a hole out in the eagle and i still shot like 41 i think <laughs> <laughs> which so, is tough to do some might say it's tough to do but not for me my friends so obviously uh trump is quite the 
polarizing person, but I'm yet to meet a person that hasn't said raving things about the changes he made to that golf course. Uh, the clubhouse is just exactly what you would expect it to be, like a two-story, just it is a palace. It is incredible what they've done. Every, like the chair, the, down to the chairs in the, in the upstairs, like the clubhouse, everything is done with total class. And the changes to the golf course have been met with such great compliments. And it's from the caddies, from from almost anyone. Um, so the old, I'm not going to screw up the numbers here. I think the maybe the, the walk between the fifth and the sixth hole, I think is what it is. That the sixth hole used to almost not, it basically didn't take advantage of the sea at all. And so they moved the hole, a par three there, up against the sea with a, with a, a walkway just designed for you to soak up the coastline. And it didn't used to be that way. You used to not be able to see the sea there at all. And it's just this awesome 50, 100-yard walk that you just you just take a long a way up to this brand-new par 3 that is just awesome. a, a cute little cute little par 3. And then... Can I ask, real quick, before you move on, yeah. I want to say that's the site of the biggest tour sauce fail. Oh, my God. In, in the history about this. of tour sauce fails. As as Solly gets up to the tee box, par three, the, t- the pin is in tucked in the, in the, in, on the left side. I mean, there's not much room around it at all. You, the smart play is to play out a little bit right to the fat of the green and two putt for par. Uh, it was downwind. It was just a little bitty wedge that you, you tried to get up there close. Um, elevated green, and Solly just just carves this one right in there. I mean, it was the, when it was in the air. Like two of the caddies who had been who had been working there since they were fourteen and fifteen years old were telling it to go in. That's how that's how like close uh, close it was. So he he stuffs it to about three feet. Does the belated club twirl? In which, in during the process, drops his club, and before he even picks his club up, he reaches down to pick up his tee, which is not there because he didn't use a tee, and it was you were flustered. I ruined, I ruined the whole moment. Like so, I want everyone to picture what this looked like: the belated club twirl, which was botched because he dropped oh. the club out on the way down to pick up his tee that wasn't there because <laughs> there was no tee. God, it looked so stupid. I just was like fumbling on the ground After for such tees. a good shot. I know it ruined the whole thing. You were trying to find another tee to, to claim it was yours. I was I, so I, flustered. I, I hit the next ball yeah. OB. Like I, was, I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. Yeah. Uh, so we, we got opposite of the prevailing winds. So some of the par fives were just an absolute joke. You hit driver pitching wedge in the next one and made eagle. I did, yeah. I hooked one OB and then hit driver lob wedge with my second ball in. Uh, and then we got up to the ninth hole, the new ninth hole, which again used to be a par four, but now it's a par three across the chasm, right next to the lighthouse. It's the most one of the most surreal settings um, I think you could ever you could ever picture on a golf course. I and mean, it was 221 yards, dead downwind, and I hit like a little sawed off six iron that went way over. Like it was probably eight iron with the amount of wind that we had behind us, but just a just an incredible stretch of property, and it's very special place it was one of those courses where like you literally when you every tee box you step on and the the first time you you lay eyes on that hole you're like wow look at this hole this and then the next tee box wow look at this freaking hole like every tee box we sat on i looked at it and i was like this is incredible there's there's a lot more um like i guess undulations and like framing of the holes from the tee box on that course which i i really liked it wasn't as flat as like a traditional right. like a like a troon um, every hole had its own unique character, and I, I thought that was you know a, a pretty awesome aspect of. It. Obviously, the ninth hole is insane. Oh, I mean, it, it, there's a lot of hype around that course. I think I've seen it ranked as high as three in the world on some lists. And I mean, it after that that stretch, we were super lucky to get that weather for that stretch. It just pissed rain on us for the rest yeah. of the day, and it, it was it was tough. It was, we were just absolutely so to kind of uh, kind of ruin some scores coming in, but. Um, man, I know it's it's a pricey round. I think it's four hundred pounds. Um, it's so it's it's easily the most expensive in Scotland. Um, I don't see how you can come to the area though and not play it. I yeah. mean, Pebble Beach is five hundred bucks. This is every bit as worthwhile as Pebble Beach. It doesn't have maybe the same. It doesn't have the same history as Pebble Beach. It's got a ton of history. Um, but uh, it, it, I mean, you go and play that and play Robert the Bruce for a combination of five hundred pounds, and you are you're making out like a bandit. Like, yeah. that's, that's totally worth the experience and. Even if you don't play the Elsa course, I really strongly recommend playing the Robert the Bruce course because that was that was really impressive. But we got up to eighteen, and we saw a plaque for Tom Watson, and I was terrified at the moment <laughs> that it was the plaque related to the shot in 09. 
forgetting that he hit the shot in 77 to about two feet from there. You were so pissed. You're walking up, you're going, they no. put a plaque there for his, his 89 and 09? I was so mad. No, I couldn't believe it. So glad that wasn't the case. But, uh, uh, the ho- I mean, the hotel that sits above that above that place, I think they, they said, uh, I'm going to forget the story, but something about 706 is when the, the bagpipe guy comes out and plays. They don't serve dinner until 706, and I forget what that reason is, but there's some kind of historical reason behind it. Um, so just so much going on there, and it was just a uh, really, really special walk. I think the most fun, the most, the best, the best course we played on the trip easily, and just a, a absolute bucket list type experience to to walk on that piece of land, and where so much has happened, so much history, and the changes that have been made to it. Again, it, it can be really controversial with so how much history there is there, but it was it's been met with such um, just unbelievable praise, and I can totally see why. I never played the course before the changes. But, I mean, the, the look on the caddy's face when they ask him, I was like, oh, yeah. I mean, this is absolutely better. So for people to say that and, again, not be not willing to put themselves out there for Trump, I think, uh, says something about how great the golf course is. So that was it. Uh, we, we took off the next day. We snuck in around at Siloff on Solway, which is again. Again, not in Ayrshire, not in the area. It was about two hours away and just in over the England border. But course i just had flagged on the map a long time ago and wanted to make it to a really cool little links experience yeah i mean we were so we were driving from scotland to england it was about four hour drive and we broke it up with um it was about an hour out of the way probably 30 minutes each way but again just squeezing in just solly a classic example of solly you know figuring out how we could mathematically possibly fit in another round at any point um but it was totally worth it i think like it was a really cool drive on kind of the back roads of northern england and a lot of character and stuff and kind of the it seemed like the farmlands out there i mean it yeah. was it was crazy some we we strolled into the town the sell off is the town and you said there's like a park and then just a beautiful water there and you go all the buildings were like yeah. per, like yellow and purple and like is so it, like is amazing. this the best place on earth is yeah. this it is this the best place on earth there's like there's like 50 people walking their dogs i mean yeah. everywhere you look there's like a, an amazing dog being yeah. walked and it's like is this and there, there was a park that was like the biggest, greenest grass park right on the water I've ever seen, and like just children frolicking and dogs playing, and I thought it was I'm it was the literally UK. the best, I'm the best here. little town on and on planet Earth. I love it. All right, I think people are probably sick of us just gushing over golf course at this point. Uh, anything we missed? Man, I don't think so. Reach hope, out to I us hope, with uh, questions on the area. Everyone. I do, I I now I'm getting this question like which area do you recommend? Uh, again, I, I it's so hard to rank the you can't rank the courses and it's really hard to rank the areas. But there's so so such tremendous value in being able to go and stay in one place and play world class golf in so many different places, a different place every day. And with this area, and I haven't got to Glasgow Gales. I know I suppose that's a great course. Um, and just with Troon, Dun uh, Donald being there, Western Gales, Prestwick. And now two Turnberry courses there. You you can't beat the Ayrshire area. I mean, it's it's not. Well, the the coolest thing about that was everything except for Turnberry was literally fifteen minutes max drive. Yeah, it's nothing. It's, it's 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 so they're so close to each other yeah. that it's almost a joke. It's yeah. like I expected I expected each course to be an hour away from each other, and you're like, oh no, we'll be there in uh, thirteen minutes. Yeah. So yeah, me being your chauffeur, I just took care of all that. So. Yeah. Uh, Chad, thank you for a thanks to visit Scotland for coming to Chad with the idea. Chad, thanks for bringing it along to me. Thanks to our contest winners, Joe and Kathy Bannister. Um, it was a super memorable week for the two of us as well, um, as well as I, I know that it was for them. Totally. A special thanks to David, Yvonne, Katie, Jamie, and then again Kenny for all the hosting and all the all the restaurants. And reach out to us with questions you may have about the area. We can set you up with some of these some of these folks that will definitely look after you. And uh, man, kind of getting close to the end of this incredible run I've been on this summer. But uh, this this stretch of the trip was 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 so memorable. And uh, man, can't wait to go back to the area. Love it. All right, thanks hashtag. Thanks yep. guys for tuning in, and we'll uh, catch up soon. All right, guys, that is it uh, from my discussion with Chad. We recorded that. Uh, during Open Championship week, but wanted to let it marinate, let the uh, Open Championship preview podcast and wrap-up podcast uh, kind of be our podcast for those weeks. So um, I wanted to do a quick little segment here talking about London golf. I imagine anyone that is still listening to this uh, does enjoy these travel podcasts. I know that uh, 
Some people are kind of sick of hearing about them and are ready for us to get back to the normally scheduled programming, which I promise is going to happen in the near future. I'm uh, moving back stateside. We'll be back as of the time of this being posted. So uh, a lot of good stuff coming. I'll be at Bridgestone, hopefully sitting down with a few guys and uh, and whatnot. But right after uh, Southport area, we uh, so I did play a little bit of golf in the Southport area. Um, you can find our podcasts. Uh, Tron and I recorded a series of podcasts in March. Uh, about playing all the courses in that area. I, I, I went back to Lip Royal Liverpool and West Langs while we were up there just because I had such a good time at both of those courses. Uh, made it out to Hillside for 18 holes on Tuesday of that week and then played Formby on Monday. Um, awesome. Both just, I mean, I, I, everyone was kind of giving us that feedback uh, after that, that leg or after that trip that we needed to get to those courses. Kind of felt bad about missing out on them. I totally see what everyone's been talking about. Uh, Form B, it was really nice to, again, this is the biggest first world problem I think you could ever have, but I've been playing Lynx Golf for a month. It was nice to be set at least bordered by trees and not be getting crushed by the wind. Uh, it's kind of a hybrid style Lynx. Uh, I was playing really fast and firm, which I, I hadn't really experienced on, on this trip at all, um, and just had a nice brown look to it, and just so much, so much uh, just a very different style, and it, kind of this Heathland style of this this type of I don't even really, I don't know what you call it grass. I've never really played Heathland golf before, but it's more like a kind of like a gorse grass that doesn't grow very tall or is cut very short, I guess I should say. And uh, very tough to find your ball in it. If you do, it's extremely punishing. But uh, it puts iron and three wood in your hand more often than it does driver just because you need to be in play off the tee. But, man, that was an awesome golf course, an unbelievable clubhouse. We had a great meal in the clubhouse. And it is one of those, like, iconic, um, picturesque clubhouses that, you know, you want to, you're, every, every, you're taking pictures as you're coming up the 18th hole just of the clubhouse and how it sits on that 18th green. Um so uh, thanks to David and David that hosted us there. That was that was just an absolute blast of a day. KVV uh, played with me. He rolled off a red eye. Had a bit of a tough day, but recovered nicely. But uh, uh, Hillside played up there with Alex Perry from National Club Golfer um, and Mark Townsend as well. They they set us up up there, and you know it's right next to Burkdale. You can see the grandstands on the 18th hole as you're finishing the round. Um, and it is a, it's really defined by how different the two nines are. The first nine is rather flat, um, but I really, really enjoyed it. I mean, the course gets off to a tremendous start, but everybody raves about the back nine, um, and you kind, of, you kind of see why. Just a beautiful little par three opener on the back, and then just some extremely grand and picturesque par fives on the back nine. Uh, a lot of elevation changes back there within the dunes, and um, just a really different front nine and back nine. A course that I mean, I, I'm just I continue to be blown away by that whole England England's Gulf Coast as they call it, and that we had such a great time up there in March and didn't get to every. I still haven't played Southport and Ainsdale, which is another course I want to play. Um, there's that whole area, man. It's 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 crazy how much good golf is in that area. And I know I sound like I'm just raving about every golf course, but I haven't had a bad experience in that area, and uh, it's just yeah, I'm, I continue to be blown away. We went back to West Langs on Wednesday because, we, like I said, we enjoyed it so much the first time around. Had an even more fun round, I think, the second time. It rained on us, but just that is one of the most fun golf courses I think I've ever played. So replayable. It's a place that I would love to love to be a member of. I would love to just like have, have that be a place where I played a lot of golf because it is just such a fun place. Uh, then we drove down to London. This was my first ever taste of London golf, and this was kind of... Uh, an extra add-on to to everything I've been doing uh, over here in the UK this summer, because um, th- this is it, it wasn't necessarily a goal to get to London, um, but I, I had a few days extra to spare and had a couple couple and people were nice enough to reach out with invites and to some really special places, and I couldn't say no. So special thanks to Brian She who had it who had KVV and I out to um, Walton Heath on Tuesday of this week. Absolutely loved it. Again, it was really nice to get away from from links for a little while and just get this little hybrid style of fast and firm course that really put really had a lot of strategy off the tee, which is some of the most fun golf you can play, I think. And that there's 450 yard par fours where I'm taking irons off the tee just because you know I don't mind coming in from 200 yards because that's just what the hole makes you do, and it tempts you into hitting driver, but you're bringing so much more trouble into play. 
we got to go around the old course there twice. They're having a, an event on the new course. We didn't get to play the new course there, uh, but go around the old course twice, which was a Ryder Cup course back in 1981. Uh, and man, just an awesome clubhouse. Uh, again, just had a nice meal at, at the turn. When I say at the turn, at between 18s. Um, just had a pretty, pretty perfect day out there. So thanks again to Brian for having us out. That was an absolute blast. Uh, he spent a lot of time during that round raving about where we were playing the next day, which is St. George's Hill, a uh, very different golf course. And he just kept telling us about this clubhouse. And I was like, okay, I get it, man. Like it's got a nice clubhouse. No, the St. George's Hill has like a castle for a clubhouse. It is absurd, and it sits so high and prominent on the property. It feels like a much more exclusive place. It's just set really far back um, from the main road, and it's intertwined. And this one, this place has huge elevation changes in it and just has this, I don't know if grandeur is the right word, just kind of this grand, huge feel to it. Like the fairways are really, really wide in a lot of places and, um, you know, some big downhill shots, and it goes down through the trees, and it's just an eminently fair golf course with great vistas and so many fun shots. And we got a little bit wet out there. Uh, we met back up with James Summerside and played out there and just, again, had an absolute grand day. I mean, it was, it was, that, that place was really fun. We played all three nines there. Um, and just, you know, had a drink in the clubhouse afterward. And, uh, I'm realizing at this time that my golf is about to come to an end. It's been quite a run, uh, but I did have one last final day. Um, with Farron, Farron Keenan at Sunningdale. We uh, got to, I had to say goodbye to KVV. We, he had a, a nice little stretch of golf, but he and I went out, uh, Farron and I went out and played the old and the new at Sunningdale, which was probably the highest one on my list in London. It's on the, the top of near a lot of people's lists in London. Um, and just, again, I just, uh, I feel like it's, I'm doing my best I can not to get spoiled and let any of this, any of this spoil me. Uh, just, I, I enjoyed the walk maybe, maybe cause I knew it was the last kind of round of the trip, but maybe the most fun walk of any of the, of any of the entire trip. I mean, uh, just incredible property, so much history at this place. I think the, the new course there was built in like 1923 or something like that. And just a really nice vibe at this place. Uh, again, an amazing like clubhouse that sits right there on the first tee and 18th green of the old course. Um, and just kind of, kind of picking the brain of, of Farron who plays professionally, plays, played on the challenge tour for a long time is still playing some professionally and to get to play with a guy that, you know, really can golf his ball and, um, just, just an awesome, you know, 36 whole day in the sun and the rain and the clouds and the sunshine again, uh, through, through a neighborhood in London. I mean, it was, it was just ideal. Um, so that's my quick wrap up from London. Um, apologies if anyone wanted to hear more details on that. This was again just kind of squeezing in a few extra more days of golf uh, in London. It wasn't really wasn't really meant to be a big special London trip. I want to come back here definitely. I wanted. To, I'm glad I got a, a sample and a great sample at that. I don't think you can have a much better stretch of three days. But I know there's a ton of other courses in this area. And we didn't get to do the area full justice. Such, uh, I mean, I don't even want to start naming them because I don't want to leave one out. Some out, but I want to make my way out to Royal St. George's, of course, at some point, um, and that whole area. So a lot more golf to come in London. But did want to at least thank a few people for having us out and debrief some on it. Um, and again, I really enjoyed the discourse with a lot of people that we've had over talking about golf courses and you know, kind of just seeing how golf is played in this side of the world. I mean, I've played a little bit in the past, but then obviously you can tell this past summer has been an obnoxious amount of golf. And uh, I think I counted today 711 holes played over the last 40 days and over a million steps walked. Uh, this was supposed to be, uh, I was supposed to go to Asia for a couple months actually in this time of year before going back to the States. Uh, but when I decided to quit my job, I said, I'm, I might as well make it a hybrid of a vacation and a, and a bit of work mixed into it. So don't get me wrong. It's been mostly fun. Or it's been an, all been really fun and mostly for fun and vacation. But uh, reality is coming. And once I'm back in the States, I promise we are going to get back to some more regularly scheduled, pro scheduled programming and back to having some players on as guests and uh, a lot more frequent episodes. But uh, we are we've really enjoyed this travel, kind of getting involved in the travel section and talking about golf courses around the world and want to continue doing that. So uh, thanks for everyone that's shown interest in these. Uh, if you, as always, if you have any questions related to anything, shoot it over. 
uh, we'll gladly get back to you if you have any questions, need advice. Um, that's kind of why we're doing all this. Again, it's fun for us as well, but um, there is going to be, we, we want to be helpful. We want this content to be good and useful to you guys. So any recommendations and suggestions you guys have along those lines, that's also appreciated. Uh, again, I know these these pods aren't for everyone, but they do kind. They are kind of evergreen content and last forever. So I refer people back to them. You know, sometimes even years down the road. So uh, with that, uh, this brings a a sad end to to this summer in the UK. It's been the best summer ever. I think I really do want to try to spend about a month here every year if I can because it's been so amazing meeting people from from this part of the world and experiencing hospitality and uh, making new friends along the way and I, I can't say enough good things about it I really can't so uh, thanks for bearing with me for this summer and uh, we'll catch up soon be the right club be the right club today yeah. I mean that's better than most how about him that is better than most better than most